my bacon. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm really ready. Welcome to Murder Brunch. We are the Murder Brunch Bunch. I'm Clinton. I'm Rachel. And I'm Joe. And this is the podcast where we bring you two tales of murder and mayhem and judge where a killer falls on Dr. Michael Stone's scale of evil. We're judging now. Not discussing. Oh. Judging. <laughs> We're judging you, all you killers Use whichever out there. synonym you wish. We are I going think to that's do appropriate. that. I think that is actually the more truthful use of words. I mean, we come up with a judgment at the end, so I yeah. suppose that's true. And we're all a bunch of judgy bitches right here. Ain't that the truth? Excuse me, I am... A cute little frittata. <laughs> a non-judgmental You are frittata. such a fucking yeah, liar. Yeah. <laughs> that is the most lyingest lie I've ever heard. Okay, are we doing cocktails? Well, let's discuss what we're having for brunch first. Okay. We got frittatas, we got bacon. I dropped my bacon on the floor and now it's got cat hair on it. That is that is going to happen in yeah. this house. Mm. But yes, it's a oven-baked bacon, because that's how Ooh, I yeah, get it good. crispy. And then we've got broccoli and cheese frittatas. So mm. if you wanted, this could be a keto-friendly meal mm. if you just skipped the brownie. But who the skips drink. the brownie? I mean, come on. And also, even though you two aren't having it, I have a delicious curry soup. Yeah, whatever. Just because it is leftover <laughs> from yesterday when we did fancy grilled cheese and, and curry, curry soup instead of tomato soup. And it was amazing. Pass. Sacrilege. And then we have our cocktail. Joe, you want to tell us about the cocktail? Yes, our cocktail is called the Buried Treasure. Ooh. And it is amaretto, orange juice, Kahlua, and whipped cream. I was thrown off by the Kahlua. Yeah. Clinton and I were talking about this. But I did get a complimentary Kahlua. It's vanilla with a hint of ci- citrus. So, but it's still a coffee, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of Kahlua, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm ready. It sounds, I mean, I like all those things. Oh, that's goddamn oh, good. Oh, I like it. That's really good. You can't even taste the alcohol. No. no, it is like refreshing. And how many <laughs> shots of alcohol are in this? Um, uh, two. Two ounces. So there's an ounce of Kahlua and an ounce of the amaretto. I'm into it. And then six ounces of the orange juice, so. I might have to have more of that. That's Yeah, good. me too. We're going to have to have seconds. That's the best cocktail we've had, I think, in a while. Yeah, and then you have the whipped cream on top. It's the dessert. Yeah. No, this is a orange creamsicle. Delicious. Yes! But it's not called that. It's called a buried treasure. Mm-hmm. You know what I like about this drink? Mm. This is like a full-on, like, big swig of the straw kind of drink, not a sipping drink. Yeah, you can you can down it. Um, I last mean, like, night. I could have five of these and get fucked up. That would be nice. Right? <laughs> these are really good. I mean, well done, Joe. This is yeah. really good. I'm, like, going to have to be making these, like, normal. This is, like, devil's margarita for Clinton. Right? I like these a lot. <laughs> it's still my go-to. I'm going to make this for my husband when I get home. No, I wonder if you had gotten regular Kahlua, if it would taste different. It's too subtle. It's only an ounce. Yeah. Uh-oh. I'm getting near the bottom of mine. More importantly, is this going to get us fucked up? No. <laughs> Like I said, you gotta have like five. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm for it. And done. Thank you. No, it's only when you bring the drink, Rachel. It gets fucked up? That it's like, because it's like, here's just a, a cup of gin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're drinking. And a cube of ice. <laughs> We're drinking a drink from the 20s when they had no mixers at all. This one's made of shoe leather and asparagus. <laughs> 
I've been fermenting the shoe leather for two months. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take one more drink of my buried treasure. I think we're going to hear about pirates. <laughs> or people that are buried. Oh, no. Yeah, it's are not, people it's the treasure? not pirates. <laughs> that one for people who are treasure. <laughs> Always. All right, are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. Here comes our first story. The time, September 6, 2006. Oh. Is that recent? The place, Lugoff, South Carolina. As she always did, Madeline Schof called home to check on her two kids after school. They lived off the beaten trail with a long wooded driveway, and the kids were instructed every day to walk home from the bus stop, lock the door, and start their homework. However, on this day, Madeline's 14-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, never came home. It would be another 10 days before anyone would discover what happened to her. Oh, no. So one of her kids was home, though. Yes. And said, I'm home, but Elizabeth's not here yet. Yes. So she has a boy and a girl. The boy's younger. So that day, after Elizabeth got off her bus, she walked with friends part of the way home. She was excited because that night her aunt was going to come over to cut her hair and the family was getting ready for a cousin's birthday that weekend. Elizabeth's friends last saw her as she started down her own driveway. As she got partway down the drive, a man stepped out of the woods wearing what appeared to be a homemade police officer's uniform, including a drawn badge, a hand-drawn badge. Okay, so red flag right there. If somebody looks like they're wearing a DIY yeah, Halloween police, costume. Yeah, police officer with a hand-drawn badge, don't... It's probably... She's only 14. Yeah, it's probably okay not to do what they tell you to do. Yeah. She saw that, but here's the thing, right? He told Elizabeth the police had found marijuana growing on the property and that her little brother was already in custody, and that was what it was. Mm-hmm. He brought her brother into it. So because uh, she was afraid for her brother, Elizabeth approached the man. Later, she would say in an interview that at that moment, she had a gut feeling that she had made a terrible mistake. Oh, so the way you're talking about this makes me feel like they might find Elizabeth and she's okay. Okay, keep going. Keep Hold going. on to that. All right, Hold I on just, to oh, that hope, God. Rachel. This man was Vincent Filia. Spell that? F-I-L-Y-A-W. Oh, Okay. An unemployed construction worker with sure, a history. Phil Yah. <laughs> Sorry. Phil Yah. <laughs> right, sorry. Um, if I could get back to the story. <laughs> yes, please. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he was an unemployed construction worker with a history of alcoholism and brain damage. Oh, no. In 2005, Phil Yah, or Phil Yah, <laughs> Stop. however you want to call him, was accused of sexual assault of his girlfriend's 12-year-old daughter. Mm. Vincent, and that's where I'm going to call him from now on because I don't like saying his last name. (laughs) Vincent would later state that since the incident, he held a grudge against the authorities. But it would seem that since he could not get back at his original victim, who had been placed in foster custody, foster, yeah, I guess. Care. Foster care. um, So he couldn't find her. He would take a new one, a new victim. That was like... He, that was his plan. Like, people knew that was his... Not people knew, but he, like, wrote that down or yeah, something he, like that. Yeah, okay. he would explain later okay. that that was his motive or whatever. Ugh. Or at least that was his justification. Ugh. Okay? Terrible justification. Once he had Elizabeth, he took her deep into the woods, walking in circles until she was totally disoriented. When they finally stopped, Vincent reached down to the forest floor and opened what appeared to be a trap door to a bunker he had dug into a hillside and stocked with supplies 
and crude explosives. Oh my god! Wow. How how did he pick Elizabeth? Had he been stalking the family? They don't really know. Like they, I haven't ever read where they went into that. Yeah, because this sounds like I mean, this is more than opportunity. This sounds very planned. Right. I mean, obviously. He was in the area quite a lot, digging into a hillside. Mm. So he probably saw her coming and going. And it's a small town. So I would assume that a lot of people know a lot of people. And And this is essentially what you're talking about. Like, this is either actually her family's property or very near their property. Because it's the property near their driveway. Well, it's. I think it's probably... A couple of miles from her house. Oh, if not a little bit far, more. Yeah, because I mean, it was okay. like they, it was, it, they didn't stop until the, you know, in the evening. Mm-hmm. And it, and he got her right after school. Mm-hmm. So that had to be a few hours of walking. Oh, that poor baby. She just ran. All right. So the bunker became a hellscape for Elizabeth. She would be repeatedly raped and brutalized. Mm. Vincent would place a chain around her neck like a dog. And kept her subdued by threatening to harm her little brother. However, Elizabeth was incredibly cunning and somehow kept herself together to devise a plan. Gosh. She humanized herself to Vincent by mimicking his behavior toward her. Smart. Very smart. He would call her baby, so she started calling him the same. I know. I I mean, like, I would, like, I'm sorry, wait, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Sorry. I love you, (laughs) baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He would tell her that he loved her, and she would also say it back. So, in his mind, Vincent concocted a delusion that he and Elizabeth were actually in a relationship and that she actually wanted to be there. And I watched an interview with him, and he was just, he was talking about her, like, they had known each other for a long time. He's like, she was such a, a crazy, crazy girl, free-spirited. And all, and it's like, dude, you do not know her. Oh, that is messed up. You just plucked her out of the wilderness. <laughs> because of this, he started letting her outside the bunker for a short period of time. And when she complained of being bored, he would let her use his phone to play games. Okay. So she... You got, you got any games on your phone? <laughs> yeah. Baby. So she was able to devise his code to get into his phone. So one night while Vincent slept, Elizabeth was able to sneak his phone away and text her mother. Oh my gosh, this girl is a superstar. Holy shit. Right? So days after her daughter goes missing, she has no idea where her kid is. She is in the ether, right? Madeline Schoaf gets a message from an unknown number in the middle of the night that read, Hi, Mom. I'm in a hole across from Charm Hill where the big trucks go in and out. There's a bomb. Call police. Hi, Mom. (laughs) But, man, talk about nailing all the details. Where you are, like what the situation is, asking for help. He specifically tried to get her confused about where she was, but she obviously had the wherewithal to be like, okay, I don't know exactly, but I know I'm close to these landmarks. Well, you gotta, I mean, I think it's really naive to think that kids who live in the woods don't know the woods around. Yeah, good point. I mean, they probably like live in the woods on the weekends. Also a 14 year old who had her mother's phone number memorized. Well, Early 2000s. I mean, cell phones were a thing. It was, but they weren't as prevalent for kids. Sure. You know? Yeah. But yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Good for her. Wow. I'm a, she's a hero, dude. I, I would be dead. I would be dead. To your point. So this 
this basically describes my walk from school. Like, really? I My bus stop was a mile away. A mile? A full mile? Yeah. Wow. And this was when we lived in Astatula. We lived in the woods, mm-hmm. and I literally walked down a forested path before we got to our house in the woods. Mm-hmm. And it's everybody owned large chunks of acreage. Yeah. So, like, it was several acres before you would hit the neighbor. And there was these muck farms behind us, and it's just like, I mean, it's like... It's a this, muck farm? How do you farm it is, muck? It is literally exactly what you think it what is. Are you, what are you selling at it's your farm? It's that decomposing... It's like heat. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Jinx. Yes. And it smelled awful. I bet. So we lived in a similar place where it wasn't through acreage, and it was definitely not a mile, but it was a, a dead-end street. And the thing about our walk home, and Joe's nodding, she's agreeing with me, our walk, it was around this one curve, and nobody could see you on that curve. So just getting around that curve was always kind of nerve-wracking to me. And there was a time in which, uh, you know, we owned a good-sized chunk of land and was it like it wasn't like acres and acres but it was good but it was all wooded so our house was hidden from Mm -hmm. the street even and um i mean we were quite young when our parents decided to totally take all the trees out because our house was actually robbed Mm. and nobody knew anything because you couldn't see the house from the street so i mean you look back at your Childhood, and there were times definitely where men stopped to ask me for directions as I was walking home, and I'm yes. like, I was so vulnerable. Yes, I had a woman stop when it was raining, and she's like, "Do you want me to give you a ride?" And I'm like, "No, no, I'll walk in the rain. Yeah. It's fine." And I'm sure she was just trying to do a nicety, but still. Yeah, and and they may have been completely in- innocent, and we certainly did not know what we know now, or even what they teach children now, mm. but we were, I guess, paranoid enough not to be like, I'm not coming near your car. But at the same, <laughs> men asking any girl walking home from school, no. Yeah. There's a gas station. Yeah, there's a Go gas, the gas station at the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Woo! Excuse me. <laughs> Punctuate that point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so. Sorry. After the text message. So at first it was unknown to police if the text message was a real thing or just a really shitty prank. Yeah. Right. So they had to bring in the U.S. Marshals. The U.S. Marshals were called in and were able to track the approximate location of where the text originated. Oh, wow. So they were able to, like, triangulate. All this was being broadcasted on the local news. Oh, that's dumb. Which was being watched yep. in the bunker. Oh, my God. She's like, they're going, turn off the TV. Look at me, look at me, look at me. But Elizabeth. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I want to be Elizabeth when I grow up. Uh, not really, but, you know. Yeah. Um, Vincent uh, started to become enraged and panicked. So Elizabeth was able to take advantage of the situation and convince Vincent to run. She said that if he didn't escape, he would be caught and go to jail. And she didn't want him to go to jail. So he should run. So he just took off. Wow. Into the forest, right? This girl is brilliant. Yes. On September 16th, a line search was organized for the area the U.S. Marshals had flagged as being the originating place of the text message. For those of us who don't know, a line search is when the cops just make a big old line that span like a mile or so and you can see the people on either side of you and you just walk as a line into the woods. You're working through like a grid. Yeah. Yeah. So as the search went on, investigator David Tomley heard a girl calling for help from in the woods. He found Elizabeth at the mouth of the bunker. So did he, did 
Vincent leave the trap door open or did he bring her out and then leave he, or he didn't lock it he just left right so but I mean she's still underground she is underground so he left so she just just came up and then oh, stayed. oh she didn't have the chain around her neck anymore well no she could move around okay. and he did and I think the chain was long enough that she was able to like get outside the bunker just a little bit oh, right, he right. did let her out for small periods of time mm-hmm. but obviously she couldn't just leave right or maybe she could, and she wanted to make sure that the police had found. Maybe. I know, no, staying where you said that you were is also a, oh, yeah, a good a, thing. Yeah, especially if she didn't, she know where she was, but she didn't know how to get back home. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Well, and she knew they were coming. That's what the television said. That's that true. Figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. So a quote from investigator Tomley. I received credit many times for saving her, and I did not. That child saved herself. Oh, God, that kills me. <laughs> On September 1st, 2006, Vincent Filia was found and arrested walking along the highway miles from the bunker. On September 19th, 2007, Vincent was sentenced to 421 years for kidnapping and criminal sexual assault, and his release date is May 18th, 2353. Oh my god. So she found out his name and stuff too then, if... Like, to, I oh, yeah. to identify him. Yeah, no, I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, so this dude was so, you know, into whatever Fantasy. delusional world he had created that she just had to be nice to him. And he let down mm-hmm. any kind of guard that he might have had mm. um, to her. And, I mean, that didn't stop him from repeatedly attacking her and beating her and stuff like that. But, um, but he... She knew his name. She, you know, actually, I mean, like, she could have just probably just described, yeah. described him and they would have found him. But I mean, okay. she had access to his phone. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You know. Yeah. She could have said some stuff, some more stuff to her mom before she stopped or something like that. I don't think she did, but she could have, like, seen information on his phone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she was, she's a rock star. She, I mean, holy cow. I would not have the bravery to do what she did no that's great or or just the like to keep my mind straight i think i would just be a gibbering mess you know what yeah. i mean like well that's the thing she kept it cool and she's like i'm going to devise a plan i would have hauled off and, and been like okay well we're fighting yeah. right yeah until one of us is dead <laughs> you know so my story does not have murder yeah in it. i was gonna okay. mention that but i came across this article and i'm like i have to write. i don't want i want to write about elizabeth's joke because she's awesome so, I mean, and I do feel he is indescribably evil to do the acts he did. Right. But there is no murder, so the categories might be a little tricky. Actually, the uh, the ones near the bottom that are all about That's sexual true. torture that doesn't end in murder are some pretty high numbers mm-hmm. on the scale. Mm-hmm. So. Do you have your book, Clinton? Um, no, I'm looking around oh, desperately Clinton. for it. It's normally sitting right this next to This is embarrassing for you. I'm going to go get my book. Okay, okay. For being in a house that is cleaner than both of ours, yeah, no kids. Only the only two people who live here are two grown men. You you lose things quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that, Clint? Explain yourself. Uh, Not that I'm judging you. <laughs> Maybe I'm just prone to losing things. <laughs> the cats. <laughs> They're reading. Yeah. <laughs> In my the cats are, oh, they're learning. My, my cats are putting me on the scale right now. <laughs> uh, which, let's talk about the scale. Let's talk about the scale. So the scale we're what talking scale? about is um, 
The one done by Dr. Michael Stone in his book, Anatomy of Evil, which can be found at Amazon.com or any... Anywhere you buy books. That's right. Um, where he breaks down evil as far as like crimes committed by people into 22 categories, ranging from category one... Justifiable homicide. To category 22. Psychopathic torture murderers with torture as their primary motive. The motive need not always be sexual. And there you go. So we're going to put Phil Ya on this somewhere. Okay. Feel free. So what's your what's your gambit? What's your opening gambit? I think there's like 21. I'm going to be honest. I like looked at things and then never wrote it down. Yep. That's the one. Psychopaths. Boom! 21 <laughs> off the top of my head. Psychopaths committing extreme torture but not known to have killed. Well, this was going to be tricky because we'd have to know. You said you had you saw an, uh, an interview with him. I think it, what's important is his motive. Was his intention to kill her at some point? He was intending to kill her. He wasn't intending to have a relationship or have her as a partner. Well, I well he intended to be in that bunker for a long time. Okay, it was stacked with a lot of supplies and provisions, and he had his um. I think his plan was not necessarily to kill her, but to have. A reason why police would come after him because he wanted to plant the bombs that he made to blow them up. I totally forgot about the bombs. Now the thing is, like, he could he talks a lot, but you he, it's not like he. No one ever it came across like a landmine. Like he never buried them. Right. I mean, I suppose his original victim, the twelve-year-old niece, mm-hmm. um, a girlfriend's daughter, girlfriend's daughter. Sorry was also not a murder victim like he he preyed upon her and did not murder her yeah so and that was what he was replacing was that relationship with this new one with elizabeth yeah and on top of that he had a grudge right so i guess murder wasn't in his purview as as far as these victims go he obviously wanted to blow up a bunch of cops yes which i don't know if we're considering that as part of his scale well and there's we're also whether we'll get into it or not i don't know but uh the whole psychopathic versus brain damaged. Yeah, there is that. I mean, I mean, you said that he was known for alcoholism and brain damage, right? Which well, the alcoholism apparently caused the brain damage, which technically negates a little bit of the evilness because he doesn't have any mental capacity to be control of his. Well, I mean, motives. he obviously was not deemed unfit to go to trial. It's true. So he knew the he you know by that definition he would know right from wrong. Mm-hmm. So he had supposedly mental- we're not lawyers, we're not doctors. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I would think that that would be one of the first things that his lawyer would try to to diagnose. You know, if he had because um, I mean, obviously he did have some kind of fantasy world going on. But if he he wasn't so far gone that he knew what reality was. Do any of the, uh, the <clears throat> scale levels talk about like delusions or anything like that? They really don't. Oh, I thought not was... not in these short one sentence. For some reason, I thought there was one that that could <clears throat> address that. But I mean, like all of these psychopaths or um, all of these the murderers that fall specifically down or higher in, in on the the scale, they all have some kind of delusion. Jim Jones had a delusion. Right. Or, or at least some kind of mental illness that affected yeah. how they saw I the mean, world. Every serial killer is not like... Nobody's like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with reality yeah. and, and living that life. Yeah. Except yeah. the Israel Keys. He was a planner. But anyway, 
That's a story. We'll, we'll touch on him in a different yeah. episode. <laughs> what What is interesting um, is this guy, Mister Mister Philia. Yeah. Like it's it's all those you always hear about like stalkers where they think that like when the person opens the windows or closes the curtains that they're sending a secret message and mm-hmm. they they build up this fantasy that they have this deep connection to this person and all and like. It, it was very interesting to see, like, that's how this played out. And that 14-year-old girl mm-hmm. was able to, like, tap into that and play. Yeah, that, use it to her like, advantage. Which is just yeah. incredible. And it was created <clears throat> after he took her. So it's not like he concocted a fantasy with her. Right, because you said that we really don't know why he picked her in the first yeah, place. Yeah, and, and she she made him feel that way about her. After he had taken her to that bunker, and probably after he has had assaulted her, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Well, here I am. I need to think of something." So, an important thing as far as uh, the way the levels work is: so, Doctor Stone, his generally speaking, equates uh, level of sadistic nature with level of evil. Right. So, the, the higher, more sadistic yeah. the act, the more evil it is. Because it's not always about body count. It's not mm-hmm. always, you know, like any of that. And so this will be an interesting one because it comes to... So here we have a person that kidnapped and, you know, abused someone. So if we say that uh, this person is a 21, is that like all kidnappers, abusers are 21s? Well, it's not just abuse. I mean, this is prolonged torture. He, he treated her in a way that was right, yeah. considered torture. And she was found a way to humanize herself to have him be a little bit compassionate. Right, to But yeah, he to was ready it. to take a child, put them in, a, in the ground, yeah. chain them, assault them, and he was ready to do all that whether he had an imaginary relationship with them or not, whether that person was going to act kindly to him or not. He was, he, right. it was extremely elaborate. He was ready to have, for the lack of a better term, a sex slave down in that bunker with him. Right. And when you get into terms of abuse, like it's hard to find those varying degrees because you could have someone who comes from a family of abuse and that's how they know how to discipline their children. You could do boyfriends and girlfriends who don't know how to treat each other correctly. This is not those cases. You know, this isn't like someone who's just, for lack of a better word, your run-of-the-mill abuser. This is is calculated and... So 21, Mm -hmm. psychopaths committing extreme torture but not known to have killed. 19 is psychopaths driven to terrorism, subjugation, rape, etc., short of murder. See, I think it's that one. I think, yeah, that's probably... Yeah. I think it... Because it takes away a little bit of his brain power. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> also, if he's saying that most of this is so that he has he has this person, right, all to attract the cops so he can kill cops, then the the abuse or whatever is almost secondary in his motive. Right. And in fact, the terrorism kind of takes a leap up yes. there, too, because yeah. his yeah. ultimate goal was to kill cops. Yeah. Presumably, like whether he ever would have gotten to that step. The rape was a bonus. (laughs) Gross. And that whole story of him wanting to blow up cops or whatever, he, Elizabeth said that's what he told her. Right. When he had her down there. I mean, but he had the, he had the instruments, he had the bombs and stuff. So I think that that probably was his, I I think you're right. I think that was his ultimate goal was I'm going to, I'm going to kill cops for what they did to me in the first place with the, with the 12 year old girlfriend's daughter. Mm -hmm. But Elizabeth 
change the priorities mm-hmm. to be, oh no, now I have a relationship with this girl. Yeah. In his mind. So yeah, actually 19 is... is I think 19 is... I think 19. Wait, can you read 21 one more time? 21, psychopaths committing extreme torture, but not known to have killed. Yeah, because I don't think the torture was his his first want or or you know what I mean and I'm not drives sure, him I'm not sure he was saying I want to torture somebody right he just wanted to keep somebody he just wanted to keep someone yeah I mean and he did torture her physically he did torture her mentally by bringing her oh, brother sure. you know threatening with her, her brother and everything like that but I don't think in his mind he that was what he was after he, he wasn't also, doing it for like he didn't I mean, who's not to say, but that he wasn't getting some. But it's n- getting satisfaction from the pain he is inflicting was not his driving force. Right. I mean, in fact, depending on what kind of relationship he built in his head, he might have thought, like, this is just us having sex. You know, we mm-hmm. are in a relationship. This is what we do. But he wasn't, like, he wasn't, like, toy box killer. He wasn't taking off fingernails. He wasn't, he wasn't treating, right. I'm, I'm assuming you didn't mention any of this. No. So, like, there wasn't weapons involved yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, I think it was, like, a byproduct of his ultimate goal, which was to... Terrorize cops. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. As, was there any other level that seems even questionable? No, because there is... I mean, even though we just said it, that body count isn't important, but most of the, the rest from 17 to 22 does involve Multiple killing victims. of some kind. Yeah. yeah. There's killing them, or like torturing and killing them, but not torturing them for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little torture. Sexually perverse serial killers, and the killing is just to hide the evidence. Yeah. But that's okay. not quite mm-hmm. this. It, this might have ended up there eventually. Uh, eventually, but not really what it is. So, no, I think 19 pretty much nails it. 19 does sound right. Is there anyone else on 19 right now on our scale? No. Empty. Wow. Our first 19. Our first 19. Now we do have at 20, which is torture murderers, but in persons with distinct psychosis, such as schizophrenia, is Joseph... Calling. Collinger. Was that the shoe, was that the shoe guy? I think that was the shoemaker. Yeah. Where his dad yeah. did a number on him. Yes. Yeah. And possibly the fumes were affecting his brain. Yeah. Slowly. This guy, we didn't really talk about that. Like, he did he have... Was he diagnosed with anything that you know of? Not that I saw, but... And I feel like you said that would have come out in the trial. Right, right. He did have... Like, his father was an alcoholic and probably abusive as right, well. Right. But his whole thing... I think they believe they he started drinking at a very early age, mm. which is why he had brain damage from it. It's just that it was the prolonged alcoholism that mm. ruined him. Any, anything about his mom? Like, what was his home life as a kid? Anything? I didn't read anything about it. It was probably extremely normal for the area and the time. Really? Yeah. Dad drank a little too much. It, he grew up at a time which it probably wasn't that unheard of to smack a kid once in a oh, while. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, and uh, forgive me if you did mention this. How old was he when all this was going down? Um, I believe he was in his 40s. Okay. Interesting. Well, that's weird. And he sounds terrible. Hmm. And I hate him. I just, I mean, the... Well, come 23, 35, or 80, whatever it is, you better look out. Because <laughs> he's going to be back out. Um, <laughs> after his 427. <laughs> What's interesting is that he took the time and the effort to dig a hole. Yeah. Big enough. I mean, like, the you had 
a, you had an area to sleep in. You had an area. To, I think there was a chair. There was TV. That, I mean, like, it was big enough, like, a living yeah, there quarter. there was TV underground in the early 2000s. Like, the setup involved with that would mm-hmm. be pretty extensive. Yeah. Where the fuck was he getting power from? This is, like, I. this is one that I I kind of wish I, when you were watching interviews, did they show the site or anything like that? Or? They did. They had they had a, a video of the site. Yeah. And, and, and it's it was, like, survivalists. Like with their bunkers, like I think of the that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, <laughs> Maybe some kind of generator or something, but that's that's wild. Yeah, he sounds like a real asshole. <laughs> yep. I'm not a fan. Shall we move on to the next story? Yep. Okay, let's jump into the second story. Are you ready? You want to finish that? First bacon, line? bacon, bacon. <laughs> you want to finish crunch, that? Crunch, crunch, crunch. We've got our. Second- <laughs> We got our second <laughs> round of cocktails. How many times are you going to do that? <laughs> that is straight up Nathan Lane from The Birdcage. <laughs> you just took me by surprise for some reason. <laughs> Although I don't know why I don't expect these coasters to do that. I hope you keep all that stuff in. I will. Oh, oh <laughs> shenanigans. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that these coasters are not meant for sweaty no. drinks. What the fuck would they be for? <laughs> Decoration. Yeah. All right. So it's funny you did that particular story, Joe, because it is... So um, funny. It is No, no, no. It's just, it's unconventional for what we've been doing on the podcast. Because... We're done with that. <laughs> we moved on from that bit. Um, because the story I've chosen today is very unconventional for our story B. For longtime listeners of the podcast, they know that our second story is typically an unsolved mystery or just a more crazy case, but usually still deals with a dead body in some way or form. But what about our first-time listeners? This could be a first-time listener, and they chose this episode. That's why I'm bringing it so up. So we should explain our story. I just story did, to Clinton. <laughs> All right. So instead, I'm going to tell you about a weird legal thing I came across recently that I thought was very interesting. So... This is about Senate Bill 66 in New Hampshire. Let me take you back. New Hampshire 2017. Right, this will be good. Everybody's yeah. clicking stop. Stick with it. Stick with it. All right. So Senate Bill 66 was created in the continuing fight against abortion. They always are. It was a decree that made fetuses past 20 weeks defined as a person, which if you've been listening to the news, it's kind of a big thing right now and, and whatnot. But in New Hampshire, they already did in 2017. After 20 weeks, a fetus was a person. Now, supposedly, this bill was intended to protect against violence toward women who were pregnant, pregnant women. Like reckless drivers, if something happened in a car accident, or those terrible cases where pregnant women find themselves in situations where uh, like, someone like, cuts the baby out of them and stuff like that. Right. It gets, assaults them and takes the baby and things like that. So that uh, pretty much if you if you do anything to the pregnant mother, you're doing it to two people. You're doing it to two people, right. So it would be a stronger case. That is what the Republicans of New Hampshire said it was for. But of course, everyone else was like, no, this is just another way to chip away at abortion rights. That's, okay. You know, those are the two sides of this particular coin. Yeah. So New Hampshire Republicans wanted to put people at ease because people were afraid that doctors or women who had abortions would be, would fall under this bill and, and be... Penalized. Yeah. Yeah, they would be penalized for what they've done to a 20-week fetus. Because as far as I could tell, abortions after 20 weeks were still allowed in New Hampshire at this time. So to do that, to put the to put these people at ease, 
pro-choice people, they added a clause that said, quote, any act committed by the pregnant woman or the doctor acting in his professional, his or her, I always hope so. I hope it wasn't just his, but whatever. <laughs> his or her professional capacity. All doctors are men. Is <laughs> wouldn't apply in cases of second degree murder, manslaughter, or negligent homicide. Now, when I tell you the wording of that bill, it says any act committed by the pregnant woman. Any act. So that means that this bill, for a period of time, allowed a pregnant woman to commit homicide without consequences. They literally could have had a purge situation in New Hampshire where the pregnant women rose up and just started killing everybody. And they would have they would have gotten away with it. And why didn't they? <laughs> well, the bill was eventually rewritten. A Republican representative, J.R. Howell, told the Concord Monitor, although that was never the intent, that is the clear reading of the language, and they did not want to allow a pregnant woman to commit homicide without consequences, obviously. Shame. Damn uh, shame. So it passed through the Senate and the House of New Hampshire without anyone noticing. Well, so there I'm was, sure they were pretty zealous in, yeah. in, to get it through, right? Yes. And so for there, were, there was about, I think it was like four to six weeks where women were like, for a moment there untouchable can you imagine those women with husbands where they get an argument it's like dude read read, read the, the bill read Let's the do bill this. Um, keep on pushing it see what happens and not just murder but they could have done grand larceny they could have gone and robbed a bunch of banks they could have literally done anything which is just the idea of any class of people now have immunity to do whatever they want that's awesome not awesome that's terrible but they added an amendment after the bill had been passed Preventing the pregnancy bur- purge from happening. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, it's a really short one. I actually created this when I was sick, so that's why it's a little bit shorter than usual. But I just found that to be fascinating that this bill got as far as it did with that kind of loophole. So play to the theme of our podcast. Yes. Where would we rank a, a <laughs> pregnant woman well, who suddenly found herself? And I wanted, and I tried looking up how many <clears throat> pregnant women got away with murder during right. this period. <laughs> Nobody apparently did. But anyway, it's a uh, missed opportunity, right? They weren't paying attention to the news as closely as they should have. You know what's interesting, Clinton, because I'm not sure how often, I I guess we do, it does come up a lot, whether we weigh legality or morality in our discussions. Because we typically do murderers who have gone to trial and have been, for better or for worse, they are guilty of the crimes they've committed. We try to avoid cases that are before that stage. Right. So the legality is always on our side when we're doing this. But have we done any killers that were prior to that? We might not have done the killer, but I know we've had the discussion of if murder was legal. Yes. Would it change our view of how evil it is? I And what did we come down on? I don't, I don't remember, remember what we decided. We probably did not ever come to a consensus. I mean... We're a very agreeable bunch that we never disagree. <laughs> I mean, I would... <laughs> I would think that only when it comes to level 14s. Right. No. I would think our own our own moral codes we would still be against murder, right? I mean like as a fundamental human, you would still be against murder. Well, it would be considered evil. I mean, it's hard to argue in that probably only a few very outlining religions okay murder. I mean like every every religion, major religion, minor religion in the world says that murder is a capital number one sin. with a bullet and there's only a few like the thuggy cult of india and stuff like that they okayed murder but in a very strict 
sense. So, I mean, like... Yeah, but there have been other cultures that have sacrificed. They don't see it as murder, though. Exactly, right? So, it's that's the thing. It's like, uh, sacrifice is different than murder, right? right. Okay. Murder is a personal... Um, attack. Attack situation that only is going to benefit, if if anybody, the attacker, right? Mm-hmm. With I mean, like, they can justify and say, well, I did it for this person or whatever. But... When it comes to like a cultural thing, culturally, the consensus is that murder is always bad because it's bad for civilization. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not something you want to have. It's supposed to be one of those things like innate to a human that you're not supposed to kill another human. Like Separate this from the animals? Yes. And and there are animals. I mean, animals do it too. Well, no, no. But I mean, there are animals that like grieve the death of of other ones and stuff like that who recognize there is some kind of... um, quality to the spark of life right well also there's only a few animals that will kill for for reasons that aren't survival right dolphins Dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) so i think we'd come down on it that murder would still be considered evil but the legality of the of the country we live in the culture we live in helps us use the the scale a little more effectively or a little more pinpointedly well also the legality and the culture in which we live in defines murder in different ways yeah so that's i mean that's a good question no, it is but yeah. would we have let these pregnant women get away with it i mean pregnancy is real rough i mean it depends on who yeah they case murdered, by case. what situation what it is if she if she was asking her husband could you please go get me a snack from the store and he's like i have to play video games i'm gonna be on her side <laughs> <laughs> so thanks New Hampshire for giving us that uh, that little discussion oh the what if stories that could be written about right? this that would have been nuts I love weird laws I love all those ones that are like Kansas you can't have monsters on your bed or whatever the fuck I love those things or like um, that's a specific town where it's like no monsters within city limits yeah stuff like that yeah but next week I'm sure or next time we record I'm sure we'll have um, more Traditional. Can you, can you imagine like being in that city and you go and you take someone to court because they're like a complete asshole and they're like, I'm sorry, he's not allowed to be in the city because he's a monster. He's a monster. <laughs> he's a monster to everybody around mm-hmm. him, and no monsters are allowed in the city. Limits. Absolutely. All right. Anything else we need to add before? Oh, uh, visit us at our socials. Right. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under Murder Brunch. Google Murder Brunch. You'll uh, find us. Email is murderbrunchbunch at gmail.com. Website is murderbrunchbunch. Follow us on our Patreon. We'll have extra goodies. So you can find us on our socials or email us. And that's all for today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So join us next time for more murder. More. No, no, no. Let's do that again. We did it differently. Yeah, we we did. We fucked it up. Always. All right. Go ahead. (laughs) So join us again next time for more mayhem. More murder. More snacks. Bye. Bye. That was so cute.